0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Hey, what's going on, everyone? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 240 Talking Buffalo Podcast. Thank you to everybody out there, as always, for listening, downloading, supporting the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Got a nice little contest going on for subscribers only a prize pack giveaway sponsored by our friends at. Sunny Reds in Lackawanna. It's an opportunity for you to win 20 wings and a large pizza. All you got to do is go on my Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I'll also put this in the show notes as well. Pinned at the very top are the rules. Very simple to do. Again, this is a contest only for subscribers. Large pie, 20 wings, Sunny Reds. Um, I want to thank everybody who tuned in to Wednesday's show. I almost said Tuesday, but I've had three episodes this week. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, now today, Friday. I had Barry McCocken around the show, and I'm going to tell you what, we're 200, counting this one today, 240 episodes in, and firing away the largest first day number of downloads I've ever had in the history of this podcast. And a lot of people out there who love them, some Barry McCockiner. A lot of people hate him, but I'll tell you what, he resonates with people, man. Strong takes, good stuff. That Tom Brady rant, holy shit, man, that was absolutely epic. Absolutely epic. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I know there was a lot of first-time listeners, and hopefully a lot of you are back for this show. As for this show, man, I got a good one today. Recurring guest, my buddy Nate Gary sports talk show radio host at WGR 550. One of my favorite people to have on this podcast. He's been on a handful of times and uh, it's always a good conversation with Nate. I have a lot of respect for Nate in part because he says a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. And I actually like that. I can't stand having conversations all the time with people who agree with every single thing that you say. Nate and I, on the opposite side of the fence when it comes to certain things about the Bills or just pop culture. But anyway, that's one of the things I love about him. A very personable guy. And bar none, one of my favorite Twitter follows out there, man. He's got some great takes. But anyway, today primarily is about the Buffalo Bills. Look, I've taken a large chunk of this summer and talked about everything other than the Buffalo Bills because it's just not what I do when it's the offseason and there's nothing going on. I've taken the opportunity to have a lot of people from news media, people like Barry who have nothing to do with Buffalo sports, but football's back, man, and it's time to start to focus more on the Bills, and Nate's a great guy to talk to about that, so we'll talk Bills, we'll talk some preseason hype, talk about a couple key guys on the roster, talk Little Patriots, talk about some other stuff too, some fun topics as well. You never know what's going to happen when I get Nate on the podcast and kind of just Go off and rift. He's one of those guys where I really don't need a script. I don't need a lot of notes. Just kind of feed off each other. But anyway, way too much talky, talky, talky from me right here. Let's just get right into it. Here it is, my chat with Nate Gary. All right, my guest right now is a sports talk radio show host at WGR 550. Current guest of this podcast, golf fanatic, Macy's Place Pizzeria, ambassador, I wrote some of this shit down, man. Fellow Notre Dame football fan, a real dick because he hates the New York Yankees. He's a Twitter hot take machine. He's been blocked by Rachel Bush recently. Very patient though. I'm going to give you props because we've had some significant recording issues tonight. This is our third platform. I got him on the phone now. My man, Nate Gary from WGR. What's up, buddy?
2: I appreciate the reason landline, you know, like we, we actually had a link up to a phone that was connected to a wall. Um, but Hey, the quality top notch and that's all that matters.
1: I'll tell you. And by the way, you should be freaking used to this shit, man. You're at a sports radio station. You always got people on the phone. So this is, you know what? The shoes on the other side now, buddy.
2: And you know what? This is why I don't produce anymore. This is the the type of pressure, the type of responsibility. I like to sit back, sit behind a microphone, and uh, spit my takes. That's what I'm there for, anyways. Nobody <laughs> wants me touching the technicals. So,
1: <laughs> it's been quite a while actually since I've had a phone interview. Pretty cool, man. We started talking about this earlier before we got cut off and had to restart this interview. But uh, we were discussing Eric Turner from Cover One had posted a couple picks on Twitter just a few days ago. It was a bunch of us podcasters and bloggers, yourself, Josh Barnett from the Buffalo News was there, a couple other personalities. We all met up downtown at a bar in Buffalo exactly a year ago this week. We had a really good time, man. We were had some beers, some drinks, had some food, took a bunch of group picks. It's just, it was a lot of fun, and then it, it reminds you of just how crazy everything is now and how much things have changed in just one year.
2: It is pretty crazy, too, and – The other thing too, that I think about since, first of all, I can't believe it's already been a year, but just the difference that this August is going to be from last August. I mean, the hype going into that football season was pretty much unlike any other. And this one was kind of setting up to be the most expectations this franchise has had and like how long. Right. And now we've got this like altered August and last August, it's us hanging out and getting ready to go, you know, spend a couple of weeks in Rochester, go see a couple practices live. You know, I know, uh, Eric and Aaron, myself and, 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 Greg Thompson last year, we did, um, you know, we did live spots on GR with cover one and, you know, sports talk Saturday live from camp, which was just, you know, awesome. Um, and now this year, you know, I have no plans on, you know, doing any live segments. I mean, that's, that's out the window this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, business as usual, I would say, is uh, the furthest thing from true right now.
1: Yeah, we're going to get to some Buffalo Bills stuff in just a minute. One of the things that we were talking about a couple minutes ago before we had technical difficulties and had to switch platforms here was your radio show. I don't want to get into the whole like process of removing yourself from being a fan. We all know that that's your job. Your job is to talk sports, it's not to be a Buffalo Bills fan, first and foremost. I said that because I told you just a few minutes ago, I had Barry McOckner on the podcast a couple of days ago. And while overall the reaction was good, I got some shit from a couple of Bills fans because Barry, among many other things, is known as a guy who thinks that Josh Allen kind of sucks. So I got a lot of shit for that. And I had to explain to these people that, hey, you know, this isn't a Bills fan podcast. This is a conversational podcast. And I'm going to discuss all kinds of stuff on here. But anyway, one of the things that you said that kind of stood out to me was, your preparation for shows and how you've gotten comfortable and you've adjusted. And its I don't want to say it's gotten easier for you, but it's definitely become more of a routine for you. You said that you used to pretty much script out your first 20 to 25 minutes or have a shitload of notes where now it's just kind of jotting your thoughts down and going from there. So how's that process been for you? Because I mean, like I said, I've had you on the show. I think this is the fourth time now and you've really grown on the air in front of, all of our eyes or our ears, I should say. But what's that process been for you? Just getting more comfortable in your own skin and finding your own voice and being on the radio all the time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would spend, you know, my Friday evening doing the research, making sure I can book guests. And like I said, like, you know, before my, my, my big thing is trying to keep my show at least different from every other talk show that's on the radio here locally. anyways. Mm -hmm you know, I actually, this is one thing that I thought Jerry Sullivan did really well when he was on his air for a short-lived uh, span was, you know, have a lot of guests engage with a lot of people. And, you know, my, my whole thing is I, I want guys from, you know, ESPN. I want guys from Yahoo and, 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 and some of these national perspectives that we can get that, you know, I, I people, when they listen to Howard and Jeremy, they want to listen to Howard and Jeremy's takes, you know, they, they don't want to hear other people's takes. I think the one thing I'm, I'm kind of good at, you know, and I'm getting better at is, is you know, interviewing people and 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 creating a nice flow to a three-hour show where, you know, you don't want to necessarily talk about the same thing the entire time. So you bring guys on to talk about college football, and then you switch gears to to Major League Baseball, and so now it's it's cool because you know you you view three hours as sort of like this moldable time, and all of a sudden you know you're two and a half hours in, and you're like, holy cow, we're done, and you know you're off of the week. I, I'm going to tell you the hardest thing to do is a is what you know like Howard and Jeremy and and Bulldog and these guys that are doing four hour a week you know five days a week shows through the spring summer you know you name it rain shine it doesn't matter they're to do that and and, and come and be prepared and 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 have something good to bring is just to me that is like one of the hardest things to do and you know, they work four hours, but I'm telling you, I mean, you, that that's not a job that you, you spend the four day, you four hours a day, five days a week working. That's, that's a full 50 60 hour jobs at at, at times, the preparation you got to do. It's, it is, it's at least to be good. Right. I mean, and that's, sure. that's what we're in this for. We're not in this to, to, to not be listened to and not be good. So um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm going to miss the training camp part of this. I, Uh, that's my favorite time of year, like being live there and and putting the headset on and being in that stadium. Um, It was part of the reason I always really wanted to go to St. John Fisher growing up was I grew up and I watched, you know, Bill's training camp there. And my my thing was, I really wanted to play college football there. And I had the opportunity to, it just was too damn expensive. Holy cow. St. John Fisher is so crazy expensive. It was like, you know what I owe right now, I owe like thirty four grand in, in in student loans that's what I have in debt, which isn't too bad when you consider what other people are are in debt for and I mean, I went to Buff State and imagine that that that's what I would have been down a year at uh at st John Fisher' so unfortunately, I never got to play there, but it's cool being able to broadcast there
1: now it sucks being able to not be in camp live right now, you know doing your shows, but aside from that, for the most part, football has been, I mean, let's see how it turns out, but it's been on schedule. Like the draft still happened, free agency still happened. I mean, not many can't, but you know, knock on wood, the season's going to still happen as scheduled. But how hard has it been to fill time? I mean, even if it's just once a week on Saturdays or so with no other sports until now, and beyond just being on the radio and talking about other sports, you're a sports fan and like, how much does this suck for you this last handful of months? I can only imagine. I know how much you like sports.
2: Yeah, it's been weird, and you know, I was actually watching ESPN the other night, and then been the first time I'd really sit down, and I'm like, you know, I do have to catch up on some stuff. We've got season starting here. Obviously, the NBA started their first games tonight, and um, I, I, I haven't really been getting into baseball because I'm kind of secretly boycotting it because I just think it's the worst, um, and <laughs> it just just they, they are just just every reason to hate baseball. Um, you know, this Joe this whole Joe Kelly thing. It's just. Baseball is so unfun. And uh, so that hasn't really satiated my, my taste for for sports. And I'm glad that we're going to get to watch some NBA basketball here. Because again, you know, who cares about the NHL right now? Um, I just, I have zero interest in it. Um, so, you know, here we are.
1: <laughs> I tell you what, ooh, I like that, man. Because I get killed for it. I'm, if the Sabres aren't playing, I don't give a shit about the NHL. I might not watch one game the entire playoffs for the NHL. Now I'm an NBA guy. Like we're taping this late in the Thursday night. It's halftime. I'm so excited. The Lakers are playing the Clippers. It's a two point game at the half. Kawhi's going off. He's already got 19 at the half. Davis has 20 for the Lakers. It's been fucking awesome. So I'm pumped about basketball. I don't agree with you at all because I'm I'm just a lifelong baseball guy. And the Yankees are going to be good again, like always. But NHL, I just I just don't give a shit about the end. I barely care about it when the Sabers are playing. But if they're not in, I I just. I don't know. You going to watch an Edmonton-St. Louis game if you don't have to talk about it on the air. I am mean, is that a rhetorical question maybe?
2: Yeah, I don't I I I, I don't care at all. And here's the thing. Like I I love hockey. Hockey was one of my first like sporting loves, but the Sabres stink and they don't look like they're getting any better anytime soon and you know, what am I going to do? Cheer on Connor McDavid? Like no thanks. It's like, you know. Right. Cheering on, yeah. I, I don't even know. I don't even want to make make a comparison that could hurt as much as not having Conor McDavid and watching him be just by far the best player to probably ever play. And that's just like what it's going to be. And hey, Eichel's great, but this is not working out great for us right now. So hey, you know, let's let's watch other teams. No, I mean, I'm I'm going to watch the NBA. I'll be I'll I'll be good.
1: <laughs> Yo, So, t- dude, I could never have you on the podcast and not at least spend a minute or so talking wings. You had a Twitter oh, of hot take recently, okay? Now, Mike Danger, he's a program director in Rochester, had tweeted, you don't really like chicken wings. You like the sauce. The chicken is simply the vehicle to get you to what you enjoy. You eat them for the sauce. You said, he's not wrong, you know? So I've been sitting on that take and I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. And you know what? I think you may be right about him not being wrong. Sauce is the key.
2: I'm I'm not saying he's totally right. I'm just saying that he's not wrong. Like part of what he's saying I think is is true, but I also think, you know, just like any vehicle, you know, you want the best. Like if you're going to drive a car, you know, if you're going to get the choice you're not going to choose a Honda Civic if you have the money to pay for a Lamborghini. So, you know, <laughs> like here we are. But, uh, you know, I, I at the same time, um, you know, we had Macy's place the other night and, you know, we got the wow. old bay because he's he's got the old bay. Um, and I'll say it's very good. I it, but I have actually gotten a new flavor that I that has overtaken the hot lemon pepper for me. Really? And it's the backyard bourbon. It is just because it, it, he chars it. it it's the, Those are the best wings I, I've had, the, by far. Um, the backyard bourbon he's got going on is just stupid. It's nuts.
1: You know, it's funny. Joe, uh, at Buffalo Wins on Twitter, and I, he was on the podcast, and we were arguing and fighting. It kind of came to a compromise because I took credit for finding that place and reviewing them first. But then he said a point, which I hate, hated to agree, with, but he's right. You are the legit. You are the one. You popularized it. It's like I wrote, I might've wrote the lyrics to a song and then you went on stage and made it a number one hit. you know what I'm saying? And now you keep talking about these flavors and it's pissing me off and I'm jealous. Jealous as hell. I gotta try it. It's
2: the Justin Timberlake effect.
1: (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough, man. Fair enough. Let's talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills here. I haven't done that in a while. Josh Allen, let's start there. I didn't know what to think of it at first. So the top 100 players in the NFL and the NFL Network special, he came in at number 87, a very mixed bag of reactions. Some Bills fans were acting like it was the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the world, that he was on the top 100. Other people were using it as opportunity to diss him, which I don't understand because at the end of the day, this wasn't fan stuff in a ballot. These were players, colleagues, pairs of his they voted him into the top 100, so I don't think it's completely insignificant. Before I get your take on what you think, let me do this. I got that clip from Colin Coward, and I want to play it. I'm sure you've heard it, but maybe some people listening didn't. He doesn't even think Josh Allen is a top 200 player in the NFL, let alone top 87 players. So let me play that clip. I'm going to come back on the other side. I want to get your take on this, all right? So here's that clip.
0: Josh Allen's not a top 100 player in the NFL.
1: Come on now. Now, again... Players look at him. He's 6'6". He can
0: run. And I think he has the strongest arm in the NFL. But great players do not unravel against the best teams or coaches. Josh Allen has played the Patriots three times. His completion percentage is 48%. His passer rating is 56. And he has more picks than touchdowns. That's not what Mahomes or Russell Wilson... That's not what they look against look like against New England. Now... I'm not saying New England's not a hard out. You know, go ask Jared Goff. They're a tough out. But great football players. Ronnie Stanley is on this list. He's a left tackle. When Ronnie Stanley, if he plays Khalil Mack, he's not going to unravel. Laramie Tunsil's not going to unravel against a good edge rusher. Now, I'm not saying you'll have your best Sunday, but in 27 NFL starts, Josh Allen has completed 56% of his throws. That's atrocious. That is terrible. I know he can run great, but that's not a top 100 football player in the NFL. Um, uh, By the way, uh, Kyler Murray is below Josh Allen. At this point, I would say this about Josh Allen. Josh Allen has a really good coach. And an un- I think they have the best defense in the league. I really do. I think it's better top to bottom than San Francisco. It doesn't have the stars you know or watch on television. But don't confuse yourself. There's 1,700 players in the NFL. I would make the argument Josh Allen is not a top 200 player today. He's not. If Levante David, the linebacker for the Bucs, is 100, Josh Allen's not a top 200 player in the NFL. He just looks the part. That is just half of it. That may, that may not even be half of it in the NFL. That's
1: a lot to unpack. What do you think about that?
2: It matters a little bit. Like I, I here's the here's how it matters. Just matters that I, I the things that like if you're if you go to the if you go to Rochester, if you're in front of the podium, um if you're near the sideline and you're watching like guys look and talk about Josh like, not many other guys have talked about quarterbacks here in a while. Um, and I definitely don't, I, I definitely, it's something I've noticed and I've kind of taken note of. Um, but what it shows me, or at least proves to me, anyways, is that the players, you know, view him as like a guy that you'd want to go play with. Um, and that's the first that whether or not he ends up being a great franchise quarterback or even any better than he was last year, a lot of things that Colin Coward said were true. You know, I mean, in his three games against the Patriots, it has, for the most part, been pretty ugly. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, he's he's not wrong in that instance. He's not wrong about the Houston game. The Houston game was really sort of a microcosm, though, of of what Josh Allen is, right? The highs and lows. And um, I think all of us want more of the highs, less of the lows, and, and we'll take a little bit less of the highs if we can get just more, some consistency, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like, he is one of right now he is the most effective running quarterback in football um he has more touchdowns and more rushing yards or well not more rushing yards but more touchdowns significantly more i think seven more rushing touchdowns than lamar jackson um and that is not talked about nearly enough they're not talked about as the same type of you know threat as runners and josh you know josh Allen is arguably the best weapon inside the 20 yard line and arguably and not arguably maybe the best weapon on the 1 yard line in the league um it's just a it's a mismatch nightmare. He's a six, six, two hundred and fifty pound guy um who can move the pile and isn't afraid um, you know, to to initiate contact. And and so I think for me it's like he likely isn't a hundred top a hundred player. That's probably right. I don't think he is, but I do find it fit I, I find it interesting that enough players again, I would say probably not every player is taking this incredibly seriously um when they're doing it but i i'm definitely going to take note that you know you look at a guy like Josh Allen and say if the players around the league think of this about him, you know, that that bodes well for the Bills ability in the future to bring free agents here and i mean Stefan Diggs wanting to come here and, and embracing coming here. Um i mean those things say something that, that don't
1: they? Yeah. They do. Let me ask you a question because i know you'll give me a fair and honest answer whether people want to hear it or not. Let's take the five quarterbacks from the 2018 draft. Let's remove right away, we'll remove Lamar Jackson because that would be an easy choice to take him first. And we're going to get rid of Josh Rosen because that would be an easy choice to take him last. So that leaves you with Sam Darnold. It leaves you with Baker Mayfield. It leaves you with Josh Allen. If Nate Gary is a general manager of a football team right now and you had to put up your own board where all these guys were available from one to three, Who would you take right now? If you were starting a franchise right now, let's not talk about what they did in the first two years. Let's talk about their talent, what you think they are right now, and where you think they're ultimately going to end up. Those three guys, power rake them.
2: So three, it was just crazy for me to say this, but I'd say three is Baker Mayfield. Hmm. Why? I i been really disappointed. I, I just from what he showed his rookie year, what he's always been in college. He just last year he really struggled, um, uh, and and holding onto the football. I think it was insane. There was some insane uh metric of when he held onto the on the football longer than three seconds, and when it when the ball was out before three seconds, and it was like literally Pro Bowl to. Um, you know Trent Edwards' numbers. You know, like it was just an unbelievable paradox. Um, and so I, I don't know. It, it, at the end of the day, Baker to me has not proven, and now he's on. And maybe again, this is probably both a a product of bad coaching, my decisions here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I mean, he's going to be on his fourth head coach and his fourth offensive fifth offensive coordinator for Christ's sake. So yeah. you know, of course um, he's going to be, you know, he's got to be number three for me right now. Um, number two, Sam Darnold. Um, and this for the same reasons that, you know, I, I feel with Baker Mayfield is just poor coaching. Um, not really the talent around him on the offensive line for sure. Um, but his receivers are Brandon Perriman and, you know, a, a Baylor wide receiver. And, and listen, I like that's a lot, but he was going to take the longest, there's a reason that he ended up being the guy that dropped of those first round first and first and a half round receivers. Um, and, you know, like they're going to put a lot of eggs in a basket of a wide receiver. Who's never run a full route tree before in college. Um, and then I think Josh Allen right now, because of the stability, the coaching, um, you know, wh- what he's capable of doing. And in, in, in he's got things that you, as a defensive coordinator, they're nightmares to try to defend. So, I, I, I maybe wouldn't have said that you know a year and a half ago a year ago um it would probably honestly be the flipped order um but i i'm at the point right now if it was if, if i had to pick them right now it, it has to be Josh
1: Allen you know what i completely agree with your list 1 through 3 neither of us are Josh Allen homers either so yeah uh, baker mayfield i don't know why i can't quite explain it. I just smell a bust. I just smell it. I I don't know what it is. I mean, I've seen him play and I haven't been very impressed. And I just smell a bust. With Sam Darnold, now I know this might sound stupid to say in a way because he went to USC a major school. He was the golden boy there. I kind of feel like in a way, maybe New York's just a little too big for him right now. And I think that might be his problem. Kinda of like to use a baseball player. Sonny Gray, dude, this guy was amazing with Oakland he went to the Yankees and he sucked, man. The lights were just too bright for him there. Now he's with Cincinnati Reds and, and he's back to being a lights out pitcher. I kind of feel like maybe New York's just too big for him. But yeah, I'm on board. I don't know what it is. It's just something about Josh Allen right now that I really like. And I'm going to end this interview going back to him. But one of the reasons why I think that we both think that Josh Allen has a good chance to prosper is Stefan Diggs. Now Diggs came in 54 on that NFL network. We don't need to talk about all the things he brings to the table. You've done that on your show a million times. In fact, I've talked to you on this podcast about that, but let me ask you this. Are you worried about him at all? Because, you know, two years ago, he had 149 targets with Minnesota. Last year, just 94, and he made it very public how unhappy he was at the time. Now, last year, John Brown and Cole Beasley both easily had over 100 targets. It's only one football, man. Maybe concern is a strong word, but I don't think this is something that could be completely ignored, the fact that he did have issues in Minnesota before, not to say that's going to happen in Buffalo, but it could. Do you have any concern at all? You know, I actually don't. Um, and, and maybe it's
2: dumb of me to, but I do think a lot of it was just the guy didn't even have a hundred targets last year. Right. right, and and this is an offense here in Buffalo that had two 100 target players. So I think John Brown ended up with 116, Cole Beasley 105, something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Um, and at the end of the day, like you know, obviously both of those guys' target numbers are going to come down. Probably more, you know, Beasley and Brown. I would say Beasley's would will stay around 50 or 60. I think um, 60 even 70 maybe for Beasley, and then John Brown's likely going to come down. Um, to earth in the 40 or 50s. Um, but I think he's going to be a deep threat kind of guy because you still got Dawson Knox and I think this is going to be an offense that's actually going to get their running backs involved in the, in the pass game a little bit more with Zach Moss. He has a highly rated uh, pass catching back um, coming out of college. So, And not only that, I think I I know the numbers don't bear it out um for Devin Singletary, but I do think that he can be a elusive guy with the ball in his hands when they can actually scheme him open a little bit. Um I know he had, he struggled with a couple drops, so did Dawson Knox. But again, this is an offense that's got a lot of pieces I think is really interesting and, and they needed like the bell cow. They didn't have the bell cow, right? They didn't have the, the, the you know, blue chip legitimate playmaker on their offense and they have that now. Um, and I'm interested in the infusion of Zach Moss in for Frank Orr, what that could potentially mean when Frank Orr is on the field is basically a wasted play last year. So, you know, I, I think with, with that package, if we just substitute all the snaps that Frank Orr was getting, you know, Zach Moss Moss might run for 800, 900 yards with that many touches. So it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, ultimately plays out. But Stefan Diggs, I think for me, the, the interesting kind of thing, the reason that I just don't think he's going to end up, being pissed off and yelling is and or not you know he was not that he was a big yeller but you know being pissed off and going on twitter and and doing a first of all i think they're going to be a team that's a 10 11 win team um so winning cures all of that but i think it's going to be pretty easy to get him north of 100 targets this year and if you can do that the guy's gonna fall in line it's just you know he was playing in an offense that was just ridiculously run heavy They had two, you know, all pro superstar wide receivers, a tight end that they wanted to get involved. They had an all pro running back that broke out, you know, because he wasn't injured in Dalvin Cook. So it's like, you know, it was kind of a perfect storm for him not getting the football. They were struggling at that part of the season. And, you know, and, and frankly, I'm sure playing with Kirk Cousins, other than he is a really underrated quarterback, Kirk Cousins. But I can imagine playing for Kirk Cousins, playing for Josh Allen are two probably pretty different things.
1: The last Buffalo Bill to be on this list, so that's three, although in reality, it was only two guys who actually played for Buffalo last year. Trey White, he came in the highest of the Buffalo Bills at 47. A lot of people think that he's still grossly overlooked. I don't know, man. I kind of feel like he's looked at where he should be. That's a top 50 player in the entire NFL. He's a top five rated corner in Madden. Silly as some Madden ratings, may be to some people. It means a little something anyway. So I don't know, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, because again, a lot of Bills fans think that the guy doesn't get enough credit, but I kind of feel like he's where he should be. Where, where do you fall when it comes to Trey White right now?
2: Yeah, I don't think he's like a top 25 player. Um, not yet. I, I, I think he's probably right where he should be. I think that's the second best corner in football, right? I, th- I, I, I think that's fair for him. I mean, you know, Gilmore ended up at nine, I think, right? Um, uh, that's even probably a little high for me for Gilmore. I think Gilmore is great, though. Um, I don't know if he's a top 10 player in my opinion, but you know, I also don't think Lamar Jackson's the best player in football. Um, so, you know, that not it's players, you know, and at the end of the day, I it's, Hey, everybody gets really upset about it. You know, you hear all oh, like the Jeff Schwartz of the world, just get really upset about these rankings and everyone's like, are we, and it, but, but, the NFL does exactly what it's meant to do, which is get us all sure. riled up about yep. our teams and 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 gets people going and and everybody bites a hook line and sinker.
1: They, they do. Uh your colleague Sal Capaccio had put a tweet out. He charted the Bills players who made the top one hundred in recent years. I'm not gonna go through them all, but as recent as twenty eighteen, the Bills had two was McCoy and Hyde, and then they had McCoy and Lor- Lorenzo Alexander year before. I circle back to 2015, not to get off the track too much here, but in 2015, dude, the Bills had four players in the top 100. They had Marlon Williams, he was at 42, Marcel Darius was at 53, Jerry Hughes at 63, and Kyle Williams at 72. Bro, four guys on their defense alone made the top 100, and this Rex Ryan coach team was only 15th in the NFL in points allowed and 19th in yards allowed. I look back, again, not to get off track too much here, Rex Ryan did more damage to this freaking organization (laughs) in almost two years than anyone, and probably any other player did. I mean, the year before that, they had four guys on the defense, and they were one of the best defenses in the NFL. Rex Ryan comes in, they have four guys in the top 100, and the defense sucked.
2: Dude, 2015 is maddening to me. Yeah. That team was just so stacked on paper. Yep. I mean, Percy. I'm just the offense. Percy Harvin, Lashawn McCoy, Robert Woods. I mean, that that Sammy Watkins. Geez, I forgot to mention him. Right? Like, what what a lineup that was. And yet, that lasted. That lineup lasted two games, I think. And Percy Harvin makes that catch in the home opener. Everyone's thinking, "Holy cow, Percy Harvin's back."
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know. Eight and eighteen, dude. There's just so much fucking talent on that team to go eight and eight with that defense as loaded as it was. Just a horrific coaching job by uh by Rex Ryan. So anyway, the Bills like if they're ever going to overtake New England, it feels like this is the year where they're primed to do it. I will talk more Bills. Right, I hope. Yeah, we'll talk more Bills in a minute. But man, look, you take a look at New England. They lose Tom Brady. I don't care how old he is; he's still Tom Brady. Gronk, well, he wasn't there last year, but instead of coming back to New England, he goes to Tampa. They lose Jamie Collins. They lose Kyle Van Noy, lose some other guys. And then uh, key linebackers, Hightower's out. Marcus Cannon opts out. Patrick Chung opts out. That's a lot of talent from that team gone. And now Cam Newton signs with them. Does Cam help them? Does he hurt them? And I say that because, you know, before all these players with the opt outs and, and stuff like that, I'm like, all right, well, does he put them over the top with Buffalo to keep them? on top of the AFC East, now with these players, go, it's starting to almost feel to me like, is Ken Newton going to be the guy who stops them from finishing near the bottom of the NFL and a contender for Trevor Lawrence? I, I just, I don't know, man. What do you make of New England right now? It's just weird that they would get him as a quarterback with all these guys that they're losing because there's not a lot of talent on that team. At least not to me. There there's
2: isn't. There's, there isn't a lot of talent on the team. They're going to get a couple of salary cap breaks, which they desperately needed um so you know they're going to be able to go out and get a couple of guys but i think too it is really interesting but i also think too i mean with patrick chung i know he's like a i was i saw on the news that like you know he had just had a kid right a couple of these guys just had kids and you know if you just have a kid you're probably not trying to you know be putting them in, in in a situation where a you know like listen a lot of these guys are having the opportunity to pull out of these contracts and still get your guarantees and and push your contract off another you know it's basically pushing your contract an extra year i mean a lot of these guys would be almost would be very dumb not to consider it um and especially if you're a marquee player and or a guy coming off of injury that's the kind of stuff you say you know what let's push the contract off year and you know get it Get, get a year healthier, you know? So I think we're going to see more of it. I, I think the bills are going to see more of it more than likely. Um, you know, we've already seen five players test positive, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's not great, but at the same time, it's like, um, it's inevitable. Yeah. So, um, But you know, you know, I, I, what to make of them. I don't know, man. It's, it'll be interesting to see. They're still coached by Bill Belichick. They'll get, you know, a bunch of guys we've never heard of and they'll get the best football they've ever played out of them. So that's, that's, that's what they do. And that's what you should just expect that they're going to at least win nine games and be competitive.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Now, in terms of Buffalo without the doubt, Star Loderly, I thought, I don't care about the money. That means nothing to me. Let's just forget about that. Your take on what is loss means on the football field. I think me and you are on the same page that, Hey, when it comes to your health, In your family, if you make the decision to not play, I don't think anybody should harbor any ill feelings whatsoever towards any of these guys. But anyway, is that a big impact Do you think on the field? I kind of feel like I don't ever want to lose any starters, but that was probably one of the positions I feel like they can most afford to lose. A guy would be there. I don't know what your take is on that. That's mine though.
2: Yeah, I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, he's probably one of your best interior run defenders. Sure. Um, so you're, you are losing some, some competence there and that part of the, um, in that part of his game. Um, but I think, you know, you're going to see guys bumped down. I think that pretty much seals the deal for Vernon Butler. He's going to make the team. Um, you know, is that the best position for him to play? I don't know, but, you know they're, they they've got flexibility and that that helps that they've got depth and that's something that that's a testament to Brandon. Bean. That that's a position they could really stand to to lose a guy at or, or a starter at. Is there another position they could potentially you know afford to lose a starter? I would say no. You know not really. I mean maybe if Jerry Hughes decided to opt out, they'd they, they'd be okay, right? Or another. I mean they don't really. If one of their linebackers decided to sit out, what if Matt Milano decided he wanted to? sit the year out, they'd be in real trouble. They, they they don't really have another option outside of that. So that's, that's tough to think about.
1: Yeah, it is. And let me say this too. Again, we're taping this late Thursday night. People are listening early Friday. We don't know. There still might be other Bills players that opt out before the deadline. Now in terms of that defensive line, they finished like a little above the middle of the pack last year, 44 sacks. Uh, 16 of those came from Shaq Lawson and from Jordan Phillips, both gone. Do you feel good about the pass rush being adequately? Adequately replace. You got Mario Addison, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, uh, the drafted AJ Appanessa. Uh, many think that the Bills' defensive line actually may have gotten better despite losing two guys who were very good for them last year. Uh, what's your thought on this defensive line now, minus Star?
2: Yeah, I mean, from a pass rush perspective, I think they'll be able to replace them. Um, you know, I, frankly, I think Shaq Lawson was he's a high motor guy. He wasn't winning, he wasn't getting sacks off of skill you know, he was winning late and, you know, when, when guys are, you know, five, six, seven seconds holding onto the football, you know, so he was an effort player didn't really have a ton of skill or plan as a pass rusher. I like uh, Quinn Jefferson a lot. Um, I I think he's a guy that, you know, we're probably not talking about. He'll be a sort of he was one of their highest uh, graded pass rushers from the interior for with Seattle last year. So he's He's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. I also think Ed Oliver's, uh, you know, the, the the kind of season that we could see this year where it's a really big leap for him in year two coming off of a, I don't know, I mean, not really a disappointing rookie campaign. I mean, I thought he'd had a pretty good season, but I think, you know, they were expecting to see more sack numbers from him. I suspect that he'll be able to kind of fill a role too as a pass rusher. I, the guy that I think they're going to miss the most though is Lorenzo Alexander, right? Like that's maybe a guy yeah. that we don't talk about enough as, as having a really important role But like he was a very, you know, sneaky, good pass rusher when they needed it.
1: Yeah. Other side of the football. Do you think the Bills made the right call keeping Cody Ford at right tackle as opposed to signing a free agent or using a high draft pick or any draft pick on a right tackle? Some out there still think he's better suited for guard, but it's pretty clear if it wasn't clear, it's pretty clear now that this is an organization that sees him as a right tackle. And again, you know, when you make a lot of right decisions, you kind of earn the benefit of the doubt because you're winning. Unlike the Sabres where every decision made is going to be second guess because they lose or well, the bills are winning. So it's hard to really second guess. But in your take, your opinion, do you like them there? Do you see a lot of room for growth or are you concerned that, Hey, this is a guard that they're trying to force into being a tackle in the NFL?
2: I mean, I'm no offensive line expert, so I won't pretend to to be one, but I, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I kind of thought all along that that was going to be his best position, but Hey, you know, like you said, they, they've sort of earned the right to, uh, to, to make a decision like this and not get questioned about it. So I, you know, I, I think they've got good depth, the position tie and Secchi, as long as he's, you know, got his knee situation, hopefully figured out. Uh, I know that was kind of a lingering thing for him last year. So like they've got depth all across the offensive line. They're actually the kind of team that could you know, end up trading a piece of Spencer Long, Ryan Bates or something, you know, this year, because there's going to be teams that are going to be looking for depth offensive linemen. The Bills have plenty of those, which they're, they're in a good spot with.
1: Yeah, they are. Now a couple of potential cut candidates, which I don't like, you know, I'm not usually a big fan of talking about that before camp even starts, especially now buyers might still opt out. But as of right now, I was just looking at a couple of, Buffalo sports reporters and like their projections for nothing else. Just like you say with the NFL list, it's something to talk about. So let's do that. Matt Fairburn from the athletic had his 53 man projection. Um, couple of the cuts he had at wide receiver. He had Robert Foster, Duke Williams and Isaiah McKenzie all getting cut with the bills, keeping their two drafted rookies. out, uh, Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins both making a team. He also had Spencer long getting cut EJ Gaines, And the big name was Trent Murphy. Uh, Jay Skursky, he had a projection, and I actually agree, and I like this one. It's a surprise one. Josh Norman. Uh, when you look at this roster right now, again, what's your instinct? As of right now, of course, this could change and probably will change in the coming weeks. But as of right now, when you look at a couple of guys, no, I don't want to say surprise cuts because none of these guys would be like real surprises, but like who are a couple notable guys that you think may be on that bubble, even if most fans aren't thinking that right now?
2: Uh, Patrick DeMarco, uh, the Reggie Gilliam, the fullback they got, uh, and, uh he's an undrafted free agent, really good athlete. We'll see if he could like take over a full-time fullback role, but you know, Patrick DeMarco, I, again, these would be money decisions and I'm not sure this is a team right now. That's really in the kind of position that needs to make money decisions right. for, you know, like they, they can keep the best guys and not, you know, not maybe go like, Hey, we, we can focus on growing some of the young guys, the position and make way with two or three guys rather than keeping one guy based on the salary. I, they're not really in that type of uh, money situation. So that, that may not be a factor, but um, you know, I, I think another one, interesting one might be like AJ Klein, right? Um, he could be an interesting cut candidate that he could potentially not make, even though like they just signed him, right? Like I, he, he's an interesting name to maybe keep an eye on because they do have some young we have some young linebackers. Moshean Joseph is going to be back from injury. We'll see what he can do. I he, I really liked him coming out of college. Um, you know, so there, there could be, I don't know. I don't really know if uh, Josh Norman, Josh Norman I think is pretty much plugged into the number two quarterback spot right now. I could be totally wrong. Maybe Mark is, is, is spot on about that. And I, you know, something I don't know, but um, I would be surprised if that was the case. Otherwise, you know, surprise cuts. I'm trying to think of. Trump Murphy's a good one from Fairburn. Uh, that's that. that's I, I don't want to say that that's uh, necessarily a given, but I think there's probably a good chance of that happening.
1: Yeah. All right. So I got t- just two more questions for you, man, and we'll get you out of here. stuck talk, talk fans for a second, because here's the thing. Fans are a big part of any home field advantage in the NFL. But I think that especially rings true in Buffalo more than not. I don't say all teams, but certainly most teams, the atmosphere, the vibe, it's never easy to play in Buffalo for the visiting team. And that's even if the Bills aren't a good team. They are, hopefully, at least anyway, they're going to be good. You know, the crowd is loud. The crowd's rabid. It's just, it's a very intense atmosphere. Obviously, that's, I mean, it's not official, but we all know that's not going to be the case this year, man. How much does, in your opinion, that factor in at anything in terms of how we forecast the Bills? Because essentially, at the end of the day, I mean, these guys, sure, they're more familiar playing on their home field, but that crowd... Is a legit advantage I think in football more than any other sport. So if that's gone, do you think that affects your projection anyway? At least of how the Bills are going to fare this year.
2: I don't think it changes my projection at all. I think it's an interesting thing. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, they they do tend to the teams here do tend to feed off of the the Ralph that does have like a unique um, like kind of feel in terms of when you're on the field, the fans being on top of you, and you being kind of underground in a bowl. Um, I, it's it's just unique. So, I, not only that, but the weather—the wind is always swirling in there. And you know, I think ultimately, yeah, they'll they'll likely miss having home field advantage. But I don't think that's going to like play into you know how many wins I end up. Think, I think they'll end up getting. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so I say this for last. I want to circle back to Josh Allen. Let me know if I'm crazy. All right, so we both think that this team's going to win ten to eleven games. I think maybe they could get to 12. I mean, it would take some breaks, but I think it's realistically possible. I'm not saying likely, but I certainly think it's realistically possible. I think Josh Allen's going in the year three as a starter. I think he has a lot of room for improvement. And I think to some extent he's going to, I don't think he's ever going to be a 66% passer or anything like that. I think he's going to improve. The Stefan Diggs addition makes this offense better and more dangerous. Not just for him, but it is going to take some coverage off John Brown and Cole Beasley. It's like, you can't double all these dudes, man. I like Singletary. I, I agree with what you said about Frank Gore with the offense last year. I think Zach Moss, while he's, you know he's got a long way to go to ever be a Hall of Famer like Frank Gore, I think he's better for the offense right now than Frank Gore was last year at 36 years old. So you take all that. And during Colin Coward's rant there, not rant, but his assessment, he even said that he thinks the Bills have the best defense in the NFL. I don't know if I go quite that far, but they're certainly right up there. So you take all this shit, man, and you know that winning is largely associated with MVP. I come to the conclusion that Josh Allen is going to end up being a top five to seven MVP candidate when this is all said and done this year. If he has, if he improves and this team wins a division, uh, am I crazy? That's what I'm kind of asking you, Dr. Nate Gary right here, man. Am I Am I fucking nuts thinking that? Because I, I legitimately you. think that. If they're
2: at twelve, they get to twelve wins. It almost, it it would be inevitable. Like he would have to get some, some, some nod for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think you're crazy as long as the win totals there and he's a big enough part of the offense, which it would be hard for him not to be, right? Um, I totally. I, I that that's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. I don't think that's like kind of really even a hot take, just based on what the team could be. You know, like with how many wins they win a division, they win twelve games hard not to consider the quarterback of that team to be a, you know, MVP type style guy, <laughs> you know, like, come on.
1: Yeah. I it just, it's hard for me to fathom because it wasn't long ago where I was not happy that he would, the Bills even took him. I didn't want, well, him. I didn't want him. I, did I, I, yeah. It's I, and, I, and I'm still,
2: I mean, I'm not sold still, but I'm, I'm i almost a much sold. better place than I was two years yeah, ago. I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I might
1: not be completely sold, but I'm almost sold. And I don't care about, I mean, I, I do care. I shouldn't say I don't care. The fact You've that
2: just he been hurt before. Yeah, you know? that's
1: true, man. And it's cool. You know, he says the right things and I, and I appreciate that. And you could tell how bad he wants to win. You could see that. But that stuff doesn't really impress me that much. I just, there's something about him on the field. If he could stay healthy. I mean, that's the other big thing too. He's got to stay healthy the way he moves around and takes a lot of hits. I just, I don't know, man. It's just something. I just see it that he's going to take another step and if this team won 10 games last year in all reality it should have been 11 because they could have beat the jets if they even halfway tried to win that finale last year yo 11 games won possibly 12 he's got to consider him man just it would be
2: it just would be impossible not to yeah you know it's just just by just by way of you know it's the mvp is the best player on the best team, you know? So the the team has to be part of it, so.
1: Yeah, it's just nuts. All right, so like I said, it's almost midnight now. You golfed, you worked, you golfed, you had dinner. I kept you up late. We started on Zencaster. We tried to go to (laughs) Skype. Now I got you on a a cell phone with who knows what creaky noise (laughs) going on throughout this entire uh, taping. But as always, bro, I appreciate you. I love having you on the podcast, man. Thanks again.
2: No, my pleasure. Anytime, brother. You know, I'm uh, you know, I'm a phone call away, literally.
1: All right, boys and girls, that is gonna do it for another episode. Thank you very much, my man, Nate Gary, WGR five hundred and fifty. Love having Nate on the podcast. Always one of my favorite guests. Thank you again very much, Nate. Also wanna thank today's show supporters, Audimute, Sounds Assured, and of course, 26 Shirts. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, what are you waiting for? Go ahead, do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It takes you like five to 10 seconds to do. And I promise you that it really, truly helps me continue to grow this podcast tremendously course we're available on all the major podcasting platforms also be sure to follow us on youtube talk about Flow podcast youtube channel got highlight clips from current and past episodes up there some original stuff that you'll only find on our youtube channel coming really soon then of course last but not least follow me on twitter at pamaran tweets i am there literally all the time man you want to find me, that's where I'm going to be. Podcast promos, giveaways, uh, just bantering with fans. It's my spot, man. So hook me up. Follow me on Twitter, at Hammer Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I truly appreciate each and every single one of you that are listening to this podcast right now. I know there's a billion of them out there. So appreciate you, man. Very, very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Do the right thing. And we'll be back. Brand new episodes coming up next week.
0: I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.